0: And what did you say in response when Miss Heard said tell the world, Johnny, tell them Johnny Depp, I, Johnny Depp, a man, I'm a victim to of domestic violence? I said yes.
1: I'm For weeks now, all over the internet, there have been clips from the defamation trial between the actors and former spouses, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. I was Begging, Johnny, to not make me prove what I've had to sit on the stand in front of all of you and prove and talk about. I was begging not to do this and have to sit where I'm sitting today. This trial with claims of spousal abuse at the heart of it is being live streamed, which means that anybody can follow along online and a lot of people are. They're tuning in every day, making their own judgments, picking apart everything from what the lawyers are wearing to the body language of the witnesses. I hope you guys can get the day off tomorrow because tomorrow is going to be good. The defense is calling Johnny Depp to the witness stand.
2: Yesterday, the moment we've all been waiting for finally happened. Amber Heard took the stand for the first time. And can I say this? This is just
1: a fake crying train wreck you can't look away from. In my perspective, Vasquez showing up in all white was a very smart move to reflect innocence and that she's on the right side of the law. Saturday Night Live even made a sketch about it. But we start, of course, with the Johnny Depp Amber Heard cuckoo trial. (laughs) Look, I know it's not the most pertinent story of the moment, but with all the problems in the world, isn't it nice to have a news story we can all collectively watch and say, Oh! Glad it ain't me. It is really unlike anything I've ever seen. Emily Yar covers pop culture for the post. She's been following this trial both online and in person at the Fairfax County Courthouse in Virginia.
0: When I started going there in mid-April when the trial was just starting, there was definitely interest there were people there who were kind of curious and had heard about it, especially because it was in Fairfax where you don't really see a lot of celebrity trials. And so, yeah, I would say it was crowded, but it was, it was pretty manageable. And then over the weeks, the crowds just kept growing and growing and growing. And now people are literally camping out overnight to try to be one of the hundred spectators that can get in the courtroom. I mean, the stream gets millions of views every day and I think that it's brought up a lot of questions that people maybe weren't anticipating including whether this could happen in the future and shape the way that justice and trials look
1: moving forward. From the newsroom of the Washington Post this is Post Reports. I'm Elohe Izadi in for Martine Powers. It's Friday, May 27th. Today, as closing arguments wrap up, we talk about the Depp v. Heard trial, the frenzy surrounding it, and why this all matters beyond celebrity gossip.
0: So the judge allowed a pool camera to be in the courtroom every day, and it was Johnny Depp's team that requested that, and it was granted. I think the only reason it's it's really become such a social media spectacle is because it's being live streamed, because it just makes it so easy for anyone to take a clip or audio of what's going on and turn it into a TikTok trend or post it on Twitter where it's, it's shared. You know, it can be shared hundreds of thousands of times. So having that easy access um, to all the video and audio that's going on really has made a huge impact.
1: And for someone who's not following this trial closely or at all, it's pretty easy to just see headlines and think that this is about a divorce proceeding or a trial about spousal abuse. What is the trial actually about, though? The trial is about defamation,
0: and it all started in December 2018 when Amber Heard wrote an op-ed that appeared in The Washington Post. And she said in the op-ed that two years prior, she had become a public figure representing domestic abuse. And two years before that, she had filed for divorce and a restraining order from Johnny Depp. She'd been married to him for a little over a year at the time. And she alleged that he abused her, which he denied. So in this op-ed, she did not name him. She didn't go into detail But Johnny Depp sued her for $50 million for defamation, saying that it was obvious what she was referring to and that op-ed destroyed his reputation and career.
1: Yeah, and it's probably worth noting, it appeared in the Washington Post's opinion pages, which operate separately from the newsroom, which is where you work, right? Right, yeah. And the Post
0: has never been a defendant in the case.
1: Was there a countersuit or how did her respond to this this lawsuit against her? Yeah, so...
0: In spring 2020, Johnny Depp's lawyer at the time, Adam Waldman, he made some statements to the media and called Amber Heard's allegations a hoax. And so after that, Amber sued Johnny Depp for $100 million, also claiming defamation, and that that ruined her reputation and career.
1: Emily, you mentioned that Fairfax, Virginia doesn't normally get celebrity trials. Why is it even happening here? So it's happening here
0: because um, he is suing over an op-ed she wrote in the Post. And his lawyers argued that it should be tried here because the Post's printing press and online servers are based in Fairfax County. Another thing brought up after that was a lot of experts pointed out that defamation laws might be a little bit more in his favor in Virginia. So that could also be why he filed here.
1: So obviously you have... These very famous people involved in this trial, and that's likely inherently just going to get a lot of attention. Why does this trial matter beyond the fact that it involves famous people?
0: I think a lot of people are watching this trial very closely because of implications it could have for domestic abuse victims. And that's sort of the most common thing I've heard is that, you know, people are wondering if watching all of this and the frenzy surrounding it will stop victims and survivors from coming forward because they're worried that they could be sued for defamation.
1: Do you feel like it matters more than you anticipated it would that it's not a celebrity trial but it's it's much more than that now? It sort of does feel that way
0: and that's a, a common thing when you when you cover celebrities and pop culture. Uh, a common comment you get on on stories is, who cares? Or why is the post covering this? And of course, that has been definitely some feedback I've seen. Mm -hmm. But I've been surprised that other people are then jumping in to explain why it does matter about victims of abuse, maybe fearing in the future that they can't speak up. And even the social media frenzy and seeing what social media can do, it's just had a lot more of an impact than I was anticipating.
1: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that frenzy. I know that there have been other civil or even criminal cases that have been aired live. Probably the most famous is the O.J. Simpson trial. How unusual is it for a trial like this involving famous people to be broadcast and live stream like this one?
0: It's an extremely unusual. It almost never happens. And that is also something I've heard a lot. People comparing it to the AJ Simpson trial. Obviously not the same stakes or same or same kind of themes, but just in the sense that because it is being aired on Court TV, and it's live streaming through many, many different websites and YouTube channels. Everyone can watch a live stream that that I tune into most often. I think it started out maybe 50,000 people were watching in the beginning, and I saw when Johnny Depp took the stand again that 1.2 million people were tuning in, and that's just one channel.
1: Why are there so many Johnny Depp supporters out there, and what about Amber Heard supporters? Are you seeing them, and and what are you seeing also online?
0: I think there are so many Johnny Depp supporters. Um, from what I've heard, just from talking to people who are there, he's just been around a really long time. You know, he started to get famous in the late '80s, early '90s. So there was really a big age range of people there too. From you know, people have told me that they loved him in Tiger Beat growing up, and you know, thought he was really dreamy back then. And, and their their younger people there in in their teens and 20s who grew up with him in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, and they love him from that. And I think one of the things that has stood out to me is when you're in the courtroom, it's really intense. I mean, these are really serious allegations from both sides that jurors have heard about and just really personal, intimate details of this couple's marriage. But then when you step outside the courtroom, it's sort of like a festive atmosphere. There are a lot of Johnny Depp fans there. Some of them are dressed as pirates, and it's almost, it feels like a party when he leaves the courtroom every day because there's a huge group of them um, in the back that wave to him, and he'll wave back. So his supporters, I would say, probably make up 95 percent of people there, if, if not more, um, maybe even 99 percent, whereas there are almost no Amber Heard supporters there. I've run into a few people, but she has a fraction of the support.
1: Have you spoken to any of the Johnny Depp fans?
0: Yeah, I've talked to a lot of them. Just curious what compels them to, to come out to Fairfax very early in the morning, usually, or even stay overnight So the way the spectating system works for the courtroom is every day at 7 a.m., the sheriff's deputies come out with a folding table and they set it up and they have 100 wristbands and the first 100 people in line get to be in the courtroom. This has turned into chaos because it's gotten so much attention that people are now flying in from all over the world who show up and want to be in the courtroom. When I first started covering this, I could get there around 7, even a little later and be totally fine getting in. It started to get a little busier. I started getting there at 6 and then 5.30. And then on the first day Amber Heard testified, I got there around 5 a.m. and I was the 100th person they let to the courtroom. Then what started happening was people were camping out overnight and sleeping in their cars and sleeping on the sidewalk so they could get in line. So now the earliest people can line up outside the courthouse is 1 a.m., But that just means they kind of hide all over the court complex until then and then kind of make a mad dash for the line. I went on Monday night around like eight or nine and talked to um, some people hiding in a parking garage, waiting till they felt they could safely walk over without getting kicked out by the sheriff's deputies and asked them why they were there. Um, Nice to meet you, Emily Yar. Hi, Emily, how are you? Good. Um, I talked to one woman, KB Plesnick, who is a makeup artist from Baltimore who was a Johnny Depp fan, and she was basically just hanging out in her car. For a while she said she'd gotten there around seven and was waiting until she could walk over. So what was the time overnight? What was that like? The overnight um it was I l- i didn't sleep mm-hmm. because um and i didn't really sleep the night before either so by the time i was in the court i was like sleeping <laughs> falling asleep at, in the court itself mm-hmm. but um the people were nice we, were, we had we had a, everybody was warm and nice and we were laughing we had um We're sharing stories with each other. Wednesday, I went to the courthouse around 1 a.m. to see what the process was like when everyone could officially line up. And I talked to Marcia Billingy, and she was not happy because she had gotten to the courthouse around 7 p.m., and was told that she could not get in line until 1 a.m. But when she came back at 1, she saw that people had already lined up early and the deputies weren't moving them. It seemed there was some sort of miscommunication. She said she was a law student and she was just really interested in the trial process and she was so upset that she missed out on getting in the courtroom.
1: So when you're in the courtroom, it's a lot different. You get to see the jurors' reaction, you get to see the
0: lawyers' reaction, when certain things are de- said, and you get to be pretty pretty objective to the whole thing. You don't hear a lot from Amber Heard supporters. I did a story this week talking to some of them, so so I've heard a little back from that. I think they are really shocked by a lot of this and not even necessarily the reaction because, again, she made these allegations in 2016 and there's been a lot of animosity against her online ever since. But when I talked to them, they were just taken aback, I think, at the level of mockery Um, of someone who is on the stand describing abuse. So I think they were expecting a lot of backlash to her. I don't think they were expecting it at this level. Yeah. Why is there so much more vitriol towards her? I think there are a few reasons. I think the first thing is that you really just can't underestimate how much a lot of people in our society just really love to tear down a famous woman who says she's being mistreated. Examples range from Britney Spears to Meghan Markle. I think we've just seen that play out time and time again. So I think that's part of it. Another thing that's come up a lot is people saying that this is backlash to the Me Too movement. And I heard this also from some people who were outside the courthouse um, waiting for Johnny Depp's car to arrive. And They said that they aren't necessarily even huge fans of Johnny Depp. They don't have specific interest in the trial, but they were pretty concerned about what they believed were false allegations against a man. The hashtag that they used was men too. So I think that's part of it. And the last one is that I think there are a lot of online creators who don't really have any sort of stake in this trial, but they see public opinion so overwhelmingly on Johnny Depp's side that they are sort of capitalizing on that by making YouTube videos or merchandise, you know, you've seen t-shirts for sale that are, are mocking some things that Amber Heard said on the stand. So I think it's a combination of all of those things.
1: I feel like there's been some talk online, at least, that a lot of the pro-Johnny Depp chatter is from spam or bots. Have you looked into anything like that?
0: That's something his team has denied anything about. People I talked to for the Amber Heard story say that it looks like a lot of suspicious accounts who only tweet about Johnny Depp that, you know, kind of come after them when they tweet that they believe Amber Heard. And from people who have spent time on social media in the last six weeks, you've probably seen that similar dynamic play out where Johnny Depp, as people keep saying that he is winning in the court of public opinion, that when you see something about this this trial on social media, it's probably from a Johnny Depp supporter or a TikTok or video of him in the court and people celebrating that. Whereas then if you see something about Amber Heard, it's because people are saying she's a liar or editing things to make it look like her accusations are unfounded or, or you know, making fun of some things she says on the stand. So I would say this, the social media side of it has been pretty one-sided this whole time.
1: After the break, what this trial and the way we're all talking about it says about us, we'll be right back.
2: monarchmoney.com podcast.
1: You've covered pop culture for a while and, you know, how it can sort of reflect a shared set of values or not. And I'm just wondering, as you've been covering this trial, both in the courtroom and this broader conversation, what do you think this all says about how the broader culture treats and thinks about stories of spousal abuse and, and domestic violence?
0: Well, I think the stories that really strike a nerve the most are the ones that people can see themselves in. I think maybe one of the reasons there's such huge interest in this is that as people are watching, maybe they recognize behavior of their own behavior they've seen in other people or just watching it and thinking what they would do in in a situation like this. And I think there's so many personal intimate details that no one should ever know jurors heard from their marriage counselor and psychiatrists and a journal they had where they where they wrote things back and forth to each other so i think there probably is a lot of projection going on on a lot of levels here and that's yeah possibly why it's just struck such a nerve in people
1: When we talk about the stakes here and why this matters beyond these two individuals, what do you think this is going to do to that bigger conversation about domestic abuse and these sorts of situations?
0: I think, yeah, the thing I keep seeing over and over from experts is they're really, really concerned just Because maybe people didn't realize that if they speak out about domestic abuse, it could turn into a a defamation trial. So they're really worried because they're looking at this and the level of scrutiny and the level of mockery and thinking, if this can happen to famous people, you know, what would stop it from, from me being turned into a joke? So I think advocates and experts are kind of worried about the chilling effect this could have on people coming forward just because now they've seen what can happen when all of your private details are put out into the world.
1: Emily, thanks for your time. Thanks so much. Emily Yar covers pop culture for The Post. This segment was produced by Sabi Robinson and Sharla Freeland once closing arguments are finished today, the jury will get the case and begin deliberations on a verdict. For more coverage of the trial, go to WashingtonPost.com. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was mixed by our senior producer, Ted Muldoon, and edited by our executive producer, Maggie Penman. Our supervising senior producer is Rena Flores. Our editor is Alexis Diao. Jordan Marie Smith, Ariel Plotnik, and Renny Sfernovsky are producers. Emma Talkoff is an assistant producer. Sean Carter is our engineer. The Post's director of audio is Renita Jablonski. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back Monday with more stories from The Washington Post.